Hi, my name is Dr. Mark Allen Derry, and I'm an infectious diseases specialist in New Orleans. Hi, my name is Doc Griggs, and I'm a community medicine doctor and health literacy expert. This is the Noise Filter Podcast, where an infectious diseases physician, that's me, and a health literacy and communications expert, that's me, talk about what you need to know about COVID-19. You can find more information about this show and our other daily live updates and Q&A show at noisefiltershow.com. So let's get started. White House document shows 18 states in coronavirus red zone. This article about the coronavirus red zone was originally published by the Center for Public Integrity, a nonprofit newsroom based in Washington, D.C. You can find more information about them at publicintegrity.org. A document prepared for the White House Coronavirus Task Force but not publicized suggests more than a dozen states should revert to more stringent protective measures, limiting social gatherings to 10 or fewer people, closing bars and gyms, and asking residents to wear masks at all times. The document, dated July 14th and obtained by the Center for Public Integrity, says 18 states are in the red zone for COVID-19 cases, meaning they had more than 100 new cases per 100,000 population last week. 11 states are in the red zone for test positivity, meaning more than 10% of diagnostic test results came back positive. Now, it also includes county-level data and reflects the insistence of the administration that states and counties should take their own lead in responding to the coronavirus. This document has been shared within the federal government, but does not appear to be posted publicly. The director of the Harvard Global Health Institute said he thought the information and recommendations were mostly good. In fact, he said, the fact that it's not public makes no sense to me. Why are we hiding this information from the American people? He said, this should be published and updated every day. It's clear that some states are not following the task force's advice. For instance, the document recommends that Georgia, in the red zone for both cases and test positivity, mandate statewide wearing of cloth face coverings outside the home. But Governor Brian Kemp signed an order banning localities from requiring masks. Again, this is unbelievably frustrating. And, and to me, this, this document shows us that they know the information that needs to be done. Uh, and in fact, in our state of Louisiana, they would have us move back into a phase one. So there is information that is reaching uh, the, uh, uh, the government. Uh, and, and of course, I mean, this is, this is easy. This is public health information. So it is there at their fingertips. And the fact that it's being hidden and the fact that it took investigative journalists to get it out to us is great. But again, it's stories like this that make me say, I need a, I need a break. I'm mentally becoming exhausted. Doc Riggs. Yeah. It's, it's, it's look, Corona fatigue. You'll be all right. We'll just breathe, check, step back. We'll, we'll, we'll get through it. All right. Coronavirus can be airborne indoors. World Health Organization acknowledges. Now what? We'll talk about how to prevent its transmission. Since the beginning of the pandemic, the World Health Organization has stressed that there are two primary modes of transmission, uh, either by inhaling respiratory droplets from an infected person in one's immediate vicinity, or less commonly by touching a contaminated surface and then coming into contact with one's eyes, nose, or mouth. However, recently, 239 scientists from 32 different countries and many different areas of science, including virology, aerosol physics, and epidemiology, penned an open letter 
urging the World Health Organization to recognize the potential for airborne spread of COVID-19 and to update the official guidelines of the modes of transmission of the virus. Now, the scientists claim that airborne transmission appears to be the only plausible explanation for several super-spreading events. Multiple studies demonstrate that aerosols, in other words, microscopic versions of standard respiratory droplets, or as I like to say, if you could think of a respiratory droplet as a bowling ball, the aerosols would be the size of a BB compared to that bowling ball. Now, these aerosols can hang in the air for much longer periods of time and float dozens of feet, making poorly ventilated rooms and other confined spaces dangerous, uh, even when people stay, stay six feet apart from one another. In response, the World Health Organization has amended their guidance and put additional resources into funding to help come to a definitive conclusion. In the meantime, Doc, what are experts saying we should do? One, here we go, Uh wear your mask properly. In the absence of having N95 masks that can effectively filter most aerosolized particles, wearing a layered cloth mask in public spaces, especially if you're indoors or in a setting where you can't socially distance, makes a lot of sense. Make sure it covers your mouth and nose. Doc Riggs, it needs to cover the nose, right? It needs to cover the nose because the spittle does not come out of your nose. (laughs) Right. Well, it could The mouth and the nose, right? This will catch many of the droplets that come out when you breathe or speak and even prevent them from getting into the air. The second thing is to make the indoors more like the outdoors uh, by increasing ventilation and air circulation to limit aerosol transmission. You can do this by opening a window or turning on a fan. Moving air disperses the aerosol particles in the air and makes it less likely for someone to become infected by breathing in a concentrated cloud. Also, if you can, clean indoor air through air filtration and ultraviolet sanitizing light. Just real quickly, Doc Riggs, you know, when we talk about, uh, you know, uh, resource poor countries, right? You know, like, and when we're going to start to, as you and I, when we do our daily, our our daily show on Facebook, we look at the global numbers, right? And I keep pointing to the the poorest parts of the world and we're starting to see them light up. There is no opportunity to use air filtration and ultraviolet sanitizing light, of course. But I understand, you know, what we're trying to do here is show the well, optimal. Well, to be but honest, in, indoor air conditioning and ventilation in right. poor countries is Doesn't, just not a... Well, this is why uh, malaria is such a high... Uh, there, you have such high rates of malaria in some of these uh, countries because, especially during the summers, the windows have to be open. To they, allow, have to they have to allow <laughs> ventilation. This is why mosquito nets, again, another, the <laughs> simplest of interventions, right? <laughs> Did they fight them? Were they politicized? Yeah. Yeah. You <laughs> can't make me use a mosquito net. <laughs> mosquito nets have become politicized in the resource poor parts yeah. of the world. <laughs> and that's not funny, folks, but yeah, you see it. I'm not going into a bar with mosquito nets. <laughs> no bar if it has a mosquito net. Number three, limit the amount of time you're in close contact with people, indoor bars, restaurants, small office spaces, and other situations where people are staying in one place for a long period of time. Or speaking or even singing loudly uh, can result in higher levels of exposure. And and of course, these are not recommended. And of course, doggers, people are in bars, uh, music's being played loud, alcohol's being consumed, people are talking louder, and they're you know more likely to take down their face masks and keep them down. Number four, we want to keep a buffer of personal space. It's not just important for the spray of droplets. It may also help when it comes to tiny airborne particles. If you're planning to sit and talk to a friend, keeping a distance of at least six feet uh, creates more opportunity for 
airflow between the two of you. And I do say at least six feet. If you're drinking, I'd recommend 10 to 13 because we tend to talk. Yeah. So basically, it's based on the size of the particles that come out of your mouth or nose. Are they tiny or are they super tiny? Regardless, they are particles and they do spread COVID-19. So the bottom line is that with all of these measures we just discussed, are all important uh, in their own single way uh, to help uh, stop the transmission of COVID-19. Mask up, COVID down. Thanks for listening to the Noise Filter Daily Podcast. Dr. Derry and I have a daily show at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time where we go into more detail on stories and answer your questions about COVID-19. You can find Doc Griggs at DocGriggs1 on social media, and you can find me at Dr. Mark Allen Derry or at D-R-D-E-R-Y. You can follow us at Noise Filter on Instagram, Noise Filter NOLA on Twitter, and for more information about us and the show, you can go to noisefiltershow.com. Hey, Doc Griggs, any last words? Remember, get checked, get fit, get moving. And remember to get some rest to boost your immune system. And Doc, protect yourself and others by staying home and please wear masks when you go outside. Remember, health is a human right.